What is up, everybody? Welcome to the stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. <laughs> and on the stack, we talk about a bunch of comic books that have come out this week and review them. Oh, excuse me. Oh, Let's boy, everyone's it losing it. Ah, Guys, we moment. only lose it halfway through it. The top oh, we're on our game. Well, and then we run out of steam by the end of the podcast. That's the formula. That's right. Shazam number one from DC our Comics. Review, our review of the last book of the stack is like, um, huh? Yeah. And then that's it. Come on. <laughs> duh, duh. Tell you what. I'm going to make us a challenge. Whatever the last book of the stack is, I don't know, because we improv this whole thing. I guess yeah. we'll see. We're going to really push it out for that one. That one we're going to give like a All right, well, then let's to. not give Shazam enough, you know, at all. Let's just, just say it's no, a great no, book. No, no, no. That's not the trade-off here. Same thing. Yeah. We're going to give that last book a real chef's kiss of an ending. Mm, Shazam number one from DC Comics, written by Mark Wade, art by Dan Mora. This is bringing uh. Billy Batson to the forefront of the DC universe, finally getting rid of that shitbag Mary Marvel. She's out of here. Yeah. <laughs> No, I don't know. I'm, I'm obviously being facetious. Here's the thing that I'll just throw out to you guys up front is love this team. Mark Wade, Dan Mora. I would want nobody more uh. on a Shazam book. That sounds great. Except that I love Josie Campbell and Caitlin Yarsky on Shazam yep. for Mary Marvel in particular. That run was so good. I was bummed that we're back over to Billy Batson. Enjoyed this comic. Loved it. But I missed the old run as well. Well, okay. and I, I, I hope there's a way to sort of continue the Mary Marvel um, uh, series and, and that character really having prominence. And honestly, in the writing of this, it, it seems to uh, they, they mention Mary. And she, I mean, she's the only other member of the uh, if I may use this um, term, I guess that is uh, offensive Shazamly that um, has powers outside of Billy himself. So. Uh, hopefully she will um, remain uh, a prominent feature. She was powered up through um, the uh, the Wonder Woman books in a crossover called uh, the Lazarus about the the Lazarus uh, uh, Lazarus yeah. Planet Revenge of the yeah. Gods. Is yeah, I haven't read it enough to get it in my head. I can't quite remember all of this. Mm-hmm. Pete? Well, anyway, I felt like this was a lot of fun. I mean, we start off, you know, riding a T-Rex, having a great time. I love the art style. It's kind of old school, but it's got a modern kind of feel to it. Oh, uh, you like Dan Moore's art? Yeah. Huge yeah. surprise there. Huge yeah. surprise. Yeah. Do you know and what that, else Dan Moore has done, Pete? Oh, you're going to love when you hear this. You're about yeah. to hear something. That's Are you ready, Pete? Let's Pete, do it. Dan Moore is the artist on Once in Future. Ah! How is even this a surprise to you? Like, I I get the news being a surprise to you, but I don't know. I don't know, man. I read so many comics. It's hard. All these names kind of go in and out of my head. Mm -hmm. Anyways, um, I just think that uh, it's it's this is a great first issue. I mean, you're hanging out with dinosaurs, having a tea party. You know what I mean? It's very fun and kind of got a a cool, fun vibe to it. So I like this kind of uh, relaunch here. I'm excited about the team and the art is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Mark Wade um, on uh, any book is exciting, and the yep. way it seems like uh, he's coming to Shazam is sort Mark of, Wade guy is a really good writer, very mm-hmm. good, keeping it fun, uh, a little bit lighter, sort of eliminating the Marvel of Captain Marvel in an Whoa. interesting way. I thought mm-hmm. here, Whoa. just calling him Captain and 
retconning a funny way for a captain to be important to the mythology here, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, can I throw something out at you guys? I know they probably wouldn't, wouldn't have done this, but given that they went uh, with the Lazarus Planet Revenge of the Gods book, they figured out a way to separate how Mary Marvel and how uh, Billy Batson get their powers. Couldn't they have also figured out a way where he could say his own name without losing his powers? But isn't you know, that the, sort of the core concept here? Isn't that like yes. where otherwise aren't you just doing like uh, a all, a Superman book almost like oh, I feel like you need, yes. you need some well, differentiating I, I guess what I'm factors. saying is that like maybe there could be a difference. I mean, it's the same thing as she's about to go off behind me. But when you say like Alexa and then no matter what, if you're like, oh, I just got an Alexa device and Alexa's like, how can I help you? No matter what. It's the same sort of thing as Shazam. But. At the same time, I it's feel the wisdom like- of Solomon, Alex. It's just your power word is Alexa. <laughs> exactly. I'm surprised. Honestly, I feel like you're. Na- Are you whispering to Alexa? Do you just yeah, have a little side? Why didn't you? It's right behind I me. You I really for, thought that it would have uh, gone you off with that, but you're like, I'm sorry. I'm talking to my friends. I mean, yeah, Alexa is obviously like very close to you, Alex. Yeah. Like it feels like hey, almost Alexa, like a twin I'm sister. Doing a podcast. What? She doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't know podcast. us? She doesn't know her podcast? Come on, they're very popular. Jesus. She's Alexa, play step. funky music. Oh, you <laughs> nope, got your headphones in. It's not going yeah. to yeah. Darn it. Uh, it would have been great. Foiled yeah. again, Pete. Anyway, good yeah. book. Let's move on and talk about Star Science Number 1 from Image Comics, written by Saladin Ahmed, art by Megan Levins. This follows up on a book called Terror War that we liked quite a bit that Saladin Ahmed released a couple of weeks back. There was a very fun, over-the-top sci-fi concept here. We're getting a fun, over-the-top fantasy concept. Oh, specifically, I see. Okay, all right. There you go. There you go. Specifically, mm-hmm. the Zodiac. Zodiac signs have disappeared from the sky. I'm going to spoil the end of this book because it really seems to introduce the concept here. Seems like various people around the world have gotten the powers of the Zodiac and potentially are going to team up together as some sort of super team. Um, I had a lot of fun reading this book. I thought it was really enjoyable. I think Saladin Abed, who generally has been a very good writer, has done some crazy heady stuff for a while. And both this and Terror War, to me, feel like... Okay, not dumbing it down necessarily, but making it more accessible to the mm-hmm. common reader, mm-hmm. if you will. Well, and let me say I, two things. I mean, this, the astrology signs disappearing. What a nightmare to all of your friends who are casually getting into astrology. You know what I mean? Like in pandemic where they were like, I believe in oh, this now. God. And you're like, oh, no. How no, do I talk to you? I'm just going to throw it out there. What would be a really cool book is if all those sourdough starter disappeared. No, oh, oh, shots wow. fired, dude. Shots Hilarious. fired. Doe, don't you um, listen to him. I do it. You got your dough right on, right on your desk. Get your dough. Yeah, dude, you got to keep the dough close. You know what I mean? You can't. If you You got to keep the dough, you know. I'm sorry. I'm not familiar with that. If you work with dough, you know, I do a character on my show, Characters Welcome, where I play a sourdough starter that you've left in the back of your fridge since pandemic. Oh, wow. And that sourdough starter. That sounds sad. It is. Uh, But the second thing I was going to say about this uh, comic book is it reminded me. This character's welcome thing. You should try it. You should try it. Um, But I'm not here to plug. Uh, You should uh, check out a comic that this comic reminded me of. No, check out this comic if you liked the comic, The Wicked (laughs) and the Divine from uh, Kieran Gillen. Because I think that's a great comp in a positive way. 
Hmm. Well, I, Alex, I just wish that you had mentioned during the live show that we had recently that you like star science. You know what I mean? Uh, but I think that this is a very cool, kind of tripped out, fun artistically. I also, there's a great line in here where it's like, you ready? Let's watch the stars die. I was like, oh boy, you've got my attention now. Uh, yeah, I just think the the mix of art and cool concept here is really great, and it's a fantastic first issue that really kind of gets you pulls you into this world, gets you excited for things to come. Sons of X, number one from Marvel, written by Cy Spurrier, art by Phil Noto. This is picking up on the end of Sins of Sinister and bringing us into the Fall of X storyline. So it's very much a transitory issue. Um, to that end, don't, don't I would say... It. Don't uh, undercut it like that, you fucking asshole. You know no, what I mean? Did you like this, Pete? Take it away. No, I'm just saying Uh-oh. that you're like, this is a first issue. You don't have to like undercut it as a thing. No, that's that what it's it like is. I'm sorry that I described it yeah, as what I it just, is. You know, people worked hard on this. You know what I mean? It's somebody's dream that you're just fucking what are you casting. Doing? What's your game here? Yeah. Reveal your game. I thought this was a crazy ish. Uh, some real badass moments in here. Uh, spoilers, but you know we have Kurt and he's. He, I love the moment where he gets his sword back, and uh, you know I'm with him. You know I'm. I I'd want to leave this fucked up island. You know what I mean? So I'm with you, Kurt. Like. Peace, oh, peace okay. the fuck out. Get the fuck off this island, and hopefully this fucking madness will end soon, and we can get our X-Men back. Find you someone who loves you as much as Cy Spurrier loves Legion, because Legion is strong uh, here. And, you know, Phil Noto's art is great, so distinctive, and I think it's nice for this book, which has – is. Positioning these characters as, you know, it's like uh, a little bit Game of Thronesy. It's very, uh, they're icons, not just uh, these characters. That's been something I think that's been going on a lot in the uh, Krakoan age of the X-Men. And to elevate them as we're setting up a great fall, I think, is an interesting place. This almost felt like two books to me in a certain way. The first half of the book, like you were saying, was all this Legion stuff that was very heady and trippy, as Cy Spurrier has been doing a lot of the X-Men stuff that, to be frank, I've had a hard time getting into and haven't read a whole lot of. But as it transitions, like Pete was saying, into essentially this character, Mother Righteous, who showed up in the Sins of Sinister crossover fighting to keep Kurt while everybody else is fighting to get Kurt. I thought that was a lot of fun. Like it sort of simplified things a little bit and focused them up when we were focusing on Nightcrawler. So interesting stuff. I'm curious to see where they're going to go with all of this. Peacemaker tries hard. Number one from DC comics written by Kyle Starks art by Steve Pugh. This is a black label (laughs) book that nonetheless is very clearly trying to appeal to fans of the Peacemaker TV series. This is also, I would guess what Kyle Starks teased to us when he was back on the live show a couple of months ago, where he said he was working on a big project. We did. And he couldn't tell us anything. And here it is. And why does that make you happy? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why that makes you so happy. Uh, I thought uh, this this comic um, really captures the tone of the show in a fun way. Yeah. Like the the voice, the individual voices of the characters, specifically Peacemaker, and a lot of the the jokes were pretty funny in this. Like yeah. I, you, know, you don't always get good comedy in comics, and I thought this was uh, really nailed that fun art and a fun premise to get us into the next uh, situation, the next issue. 
You know, what's funny is, you know, Justin, you shared this very lovely uh, story on the live show about, um, you know, your Mad Magazine experience. And this art almost has like a Mad Magazine feel to it. Uh, mm. I love the the comedy here in this issue. I also really think that um, this has got like three of my favorite characters, you know, uh, all working together. So I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes. Uh, this is really very fun and very cool. Survival, number one from Dark Horse Comics, written by Sean Lewis, art by Brendan Everett. This, at least in the first issue, and this is mildly getting into spoilers here, seems to concern a bunch of survivalist gun nuts who come under attack by something. It's not entirely clear. Maybe they're Russians. Maybe they're zombies, potentially. There's a lot going on here. But this is... Not what I expected from the cover, yeah. and one of the more intense books yeah. that I think we read this it's week. Fucking super the intense. other thing that I think is kind of fascinating about this is how it takes the characters you would normally expect to be the villains and flips them into potentially being the heroes here. So you're not quite sure where you're standing at yeah. any point. It's very purposefully uneasy book to read. And I really appreciated that. Yeah. It's super intense. I mean, at one point there's somebody just gnawing on an arm and you're just kind of like, what the fuck, man, this is crazy. Uh, I mean, if you're going to gnaw on some part, that's sort of, that's the Turkey leg of the human body. Real quick. What is the tastiest part of a human being? Let's all go on three. One, two, three. Pinky toe. Wait, what did you say, Pete? What? Huh? What? (laughs) All right, let's Pete's, move on. I, I think what Pete said is he's eating ass. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the millennials. Well, I think we said everything we need to say about this book. No, um, yeah, I, I have some stuff great. to say. Uh, the this book, like I, I agree with you, Alex. Like it, it sort of puts us in an interesting place just from for the narrative, like to follow who we're following. It has a mix of like the survivalist, sort of like all the television shows, like Alone, anything where it's these people sort of out there who are ready to get after it, and a book we haven't talked about in a long time. It had some vague um, it reminded me of Crossed a little bit. Yes, yes. absolutely. I definitely picked it up was on that a, quite a bit. For me, it was like a cross between mm, cross between yeah cross 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 and Walking Dead, and I was a little like I don't know if I'm far enough past Walking Dead to get excited about another kind of zombie. far enough past it. How many more years do you need? It's been a while. Well, I, we we were really in a Walking Dead sweet spot for a long time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm not ready for another one of those. You know what I mean? Interesting. All right. Well, anyway, I'm enjoying this. I'm excited to see. You mean a highly successful, like good comic that we enjoy talking about that has turned into a television show that we, yes, maybe gets a little overdone after a while, but we definitely enjoyed it for some time. I mean, it gave us Michonne. I mean, it gave us so many great, you know, things. It's hard, but it was a, it was a lot. It was a lot of time and energy spent in this world. Do you know what I mean? Speaking of somebody who you, when did you give up on the TV show, Pete? Probably like season seven or something. Season seven. Yeah, speaking as a person who has watched literally every hour of every Walking Dead and still doing it, 
Shut the fuck up. Carnage Raids Alpha from Marvel, written by Alex Pacnadal and Cody Ziegler, David Pipos, Cheryl Lynn Eaton, art by Julius Ota, Travel Foreman, Paris Aileen, and Will Robeson. This is kicking off a big Carnage Raids event where Carnage is coming face-to-face with Scorpion and Miles Morales and maybe some other characters. A very goopy book. What did you guys think? It is very goopy. And let me just say, like, reading this, I think we need to pull back a little bit on our symbiotes. Like, they've gotten they've gotten too powerful and too, like, it's just hard to, the continuity of how their power works, who's running them, the symbols on the forehead, all of that. It feels, it, it's a little bit hard to sort of get into when the original concept was, like, Spider-Man's clothes hate him, and they're trying to eat his brains. <laughs> Which everybody can relate to. That's 100% right. my clothes sometimes hate me. I'm caught yeah, up. The zipper's yeah. not working. I don't know. Uh, Venom is essentially shirts, like right. a zipper that doesn't work. You know uh, what I, mean? I don't know about that. I, I just think that this is like... A real intense issue, which is great. You know, spoilers, but it starts off with like Spider Man getting bit, and there's a lot of crazy action. But also, we have a kind of a sweet Scorpion story in the first one where, you know, maybe he's not the bad guy, but also it's very interesting that he's in all three stories in this uh, package of an ish. What is this, Scorpion Reigns? Anyway, I. Well, but sorry yeah. to, to follow up on uh, taking it more seriously, like. I do think, like, Carnage, the whole idea was Venom was, like... <laughs> I really thought you were going to be like, to take this more seriously, it is hard to use zippers sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. I mean, and it's true. I'm wearing a zipper right now. Oh, man. Right now, Alex. I'm so Imagine sorry. my struggle. I'm so sorry. Uh, no, but oh, what I was saying... Have snaps, it's much easier. Would you let them fucking yeah. talk? You're basically, yeah, you're a, you're a snaps Velcro guy, right? You're just fully, like, yeah, retirement sure. home. <laughs> <laughs> the um what i'm saying is like it was like venom's crazy and then carnage is crazy venom but at this point carnage like miles is like carnage is the whole house and every person in it and his torso <laughs> can come out of the wall sometimes it was just like i was just like i don't know how to approach this if your hero is like what is this? I feel like we're a little lost. And so I think like a little more focus on, especially since we're jumping into a summer event that's all symbiotes. It's the summer of symbiotes. Yeah. yeah. It was supposed to be the summer of symbiotes. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's too much for me. There's like two more symbiote titles that came out this week for Marvel that I didn't include for the stack. More that is symbiotes. 100% on me just because I was like, I got to make some choices here. I can't do all of this. They're all goop characters. It's a Stop lot of goop. saying the goop characters. They're more than um, goop. More than no. goop to say uh, that I love you. I will say shouts to to Gwyneth Paltrow, the um, only person who has a symbiote in the real world. Uh, But secondarily, also shouts to the uh, Marvel swimsuit issue homage (laughs) in the Summer of Symbiotes like promotional poster, which I was like, this is a wild way in to promoting the event. Uh, let's move on to some goop that I did like. Poison Ivy number 12 oh, from DC Comics, written by G. Willow Wilson, art by Marcio yes. Takara. And this issue, in fact, Poison Ivy has been dealing with a Gwyneth Paltrow-esque, goop-esque cult leader who accidentally caused a fungal outbreak 
that Poison Ivy also very much caused. In this issue, she's trying to work it back and save everybody as best as she possibly can. Um, this series has been great and gone in some surprising directions. It ends here in a very, I thought, sweet and soft yes. way, which I was very surprised about. Wait, but this was there's a to be continued at the yeah. end of this issue. No, yeah. this is the end of it. It was popular enough that they are continuing this book, but yeah. this feels like the end of this 12-issue story they've been telling, and we're going to move into something different after that. Well, but that's why I think it's so crazy. I feel like so many of the issues of this book, I'm like, wow, great series. Oh, there's more of this coming? And I get so excited because it felt like a, a very much a premise-based um, limited series at first where Poison Ivy was going around and essentially setting up the downfall of the world. And then it's just found so many interesting nooks and crannies and twists and twists turns and to turns, take yeah. that I just really like all the emotional stakes here. Poison Ivy somehow turning this story that was so dark at first that we thought it was all a black label oh, yeah. for a while and has really justified all of it, made it made her change, uh, I think, very like in a, in a very real way. Like I've just been loving this book all across the board. I agree. This is a fantastic book. There's some uh, amazing covers for this. Uh, art is super type bananas. And uh, also very sweet. Um, you know, kind of a real, uh, you know, spoilers, but a happy ending moment here with her and Harley Quinn at the end. You know, except for Carl and Reception, it feels like a lot of people walk away a winner on this. But uh, yeah, it's been a real fun emotional roller coaster. And. Um, yeah, it's been hard to kind of like pin this down or kind of be like, oh, I understand what this book is about. It's been taking a lot of wild swings and it's been super uh, fantastic journey. Every one of these issues has been really well done. Carl has never been great, though, at reception. So, like, it makes sense that he just hey, gets his Hey, he's out there face. trying, dude, showing uh, up for uh, that job. Also, and then not more seriously, but I'll say I do think it's easy to put this book down because it's all about Poison Ivy's psyche and challenging her in terms of who she is and who she connects with. She started in a place where she was ready to die and not connect with anybody. Ultimately, she literally connected with all these people through this fungal outbreak. And ultimately, she ends up with Harley Quinn here with some secrets in the background that might mess with their relationship. We'll have yeah, to see where that she's got to come clean about some shit. But yeah, this is, this is a very emotionally grounded book with some gorgeous, wild monster art in particular. I'm excited there's more. Radiant yes. Black, number 24, from Image Comics, written by Kyle Higgins, art by Marcelo Costa. Hey. And this issue, our two Radiant Blacks are heading into existence to try to reboot their robot before the evil robot invasion comes to Earth and potentially destroys it. Um, what do you guys think about this one? Well, it's first off, it's hard to keep saying amazing things about this book because it continues to be amazing. But in this one, we have like an interesting start. It's more of a kind of tripped out, uh, really focusing on the artwork start, where it's a little less words, which I really appreciate before it kind of kicks in. Uh, but man, just really continues to push things into a, an amazing place for this book. Also, the kind of like spoiler at the end there, this big choice, like there can only be one. Like who's going to rock the suit? Very cool twist. Uh, I, yeah, I've mm. been super impressed with this. 
Uh, yeah, this uh, I feel like we're elevating very quickly toward um, the larger event that we've been sort of talking about leading up to this line wide, massive verse wide thing. This uh, goes into sort of gets into some of the world building, but in a trippy art artistic forward art, artist forward way, which is is really great. Yeah. And uh, as far as the end, um, sort of setting up a choice between the two characters, I have a feeling they're going to beat that choice. That's my gut. So let's talk about this for a second. This is a spoiler for the last page of the book, but they do manage to reboot the robot. We have these two radiant blacks and the robot tells them only one of you can be radiant black. Right. Either our original Dick character who was radiant black, uh, our original, our writer character was radiant black or the jerk who was friends with him who eventually became radiant black. Now they both hold the suit and it's not working properly. And the last page is the robot turning towards the camera and saying, yeah. only you can decide. And right. there's a QR code on the robot that if you scan it, takes you to a web page where you can vote for one or the oh, other. You can vote. Yeah. Oh, did you guys not scan the QR code? No, man. Okay, so if you scan the QR code, you can vote for which one you want. We have the supermassive crossover book is happening. What? Hold hold on, hold on. I'm explaining it to people. And then in July, end of July, when the book comes out, they're going to reveal who won the vote and who ultimately is going to be the Radiant Black going forward. So they're doing a classic Jason, should we kill Jason Todd or let him be alive thing, except for the modern era. Here's here's the thing that I throw out about it. I love that they're doing this stuff like yeah, on a theoretical level. It looked like garbage on the page. That was the only thing right. that really held me up about it. Well, it's like a QR code Q- in the middle. Yeah, that's exactly. what I'm saying is you have this gorgeous Marcelo Costa page and then you stick an ugly ass QR code in the middle there. I love that they did it, but I wish they had done like you decide turn towards the camera and then a page of like. Vote for radiant black. Yeah, but then okay. you got a whole extra page you got to pay for. You know what I mean? No, that's not how that works. You you have to pay for it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, okay. hmm. uh, hey, I'll give you extra anyway, ten that cents. Was, that was the page. one thing holding me up. I love how transmedia they are with the radiant black stuff. It's very yeah. fun, but um, it didn't look good. But do you think what I was saying is like? Do you feel like they're just going to be like fans vote? One character takes it, and that's the end of the day. I think legitimately they are. Like, I don't think the other character is going to disappear from the book forever. Right. But I think they're so committed to this transmedia stuff that they're absolutely going to go with the Fed. Yeah, but also I'm a little worried about, you know, like, the thing about someone writing a thing, as we all know, is they have an idea. They see that idea through. But when you leave it up to the fans, it's nice for us to contribute but, you know, what makes for a better story? You know what I mean? I'm a little worried about it. Here, here would be my guess. My guess would be Kyle Higgins has it planned out both ways, right? Like yeah. just in Ooh. terms of printing time and everything, they have to have both things ready based on when the vote goes. They have to close it up at a certain point. Otherwise, they're not going to be able to get it to the printers and get it to the comic book shops. So he has to have it arced out for... I'm honestly forgetting both the names. There's Marshall and the other guy. Um, but if Marshall wins or if the other guy wins, what happens? Marshall Mathers. Yes, yeah, Marshall Mathers or yeah. Slim Shady. Depending on which one wins, it's going to change how the book is. Wow, which that would be crazy. Yeah. 
Let's talk about what one of Justin's favorite books of the week, Groot, number one from Marvel, written yeah. by Dan Abnett, art by Damien Cusero. In this book, we're meeting a young Groot and two of Groot's tiny friends as they hang out with a young Captain Marvel and go on adventures together. So, Justin, you're just a huge fan of, like, uh, chainsaw animals. Is that why you're, like, really into this book? Like, what's well, up, bro? Let me say, this was like organic a fun... chainsaw uh, people attack, attacking a planet of uh, wood-like creatures. Like, what's up, well, bro? What's the ultimate enemy to the talking tree? Planet right, but I'm just saying, like, chainsaws. why are you so pro chainsaw? You know what I mean? Like, I'm Team Groot and Tweak over here. What's up, bro? <laughs> Uh, why are you saying I'm pro chainsaw? Just because it I seems am, like you were like, yo, I love this book. I love all the description. I love, chains- I love chainsaws. I'm yeah, a, yeah. sort of a, a yeah, lumber I got chest a chainsaw and- necklace over here. What's up? I have a saw right sitting right. Yeah, next you to have me. creepy ass. You're in a room full of creepy ass saws, bro. Yeah, I know it's well, like I guess that's why. And I look forward to Guardians Three introducing um, the chainsaw character that I know is going to cut Groot in half. That's all the emotional oh, talk everyone's oh, making is because Groot gets sliced and diced, turned into a series of coasters for the rest of the Guardians to put their drinks on in the coffee table. Oh, that's man. why he's so swole. <laughs> uh, but let me say about this comic book. Yeah, there um, we go. I really liked the this comic uh, sort of really exceeded expectations. It felt like, oh, it's going to be a fun Groot story, whatever, whatever. Groot was a central character, but it really was about Private Marvel, who I believe we know grows up to be Captain Marvel. Spoilers, what? dude. Spoilers. Uh, this was a fun, like, little Marvel continuity heavy story with the, and I did enjoy the chainsaw sores, which were fun monsters to plague these tree people. Okay. Well, we are, but right now, if you really love this comic, do you like Tweeg or you like Gleef? Like, where are you at? You know what I mean? Why you, you can't choose Groot? You can. And, well, just, let me well, say. We got two new kind of Groot type characters. Where are what? these guys? Where are Gleef? Where, what's up They're with They're probably going to die, right? Tweeg and Gleef? Oh, a man. bunch of toothpicks. Oh, I get They're it. They're future toothpicks. I didn't get it when I read the book, but I got it when I said it out loud. Yeah, because <laughs> it's like twig and leaf is yep. what you're saying. Yeah. You didn't need to get it until now. <laughs> and Groot is like, Root? Is that the idea? Oh, my God. No, dude. no, no. That's not. That's where it stops. <laughs> oh, okay. Groot is nothing like Root. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Oh. This is this is a little too much Cree stuff for me. Like I love the stuff with. The I little, love the Cree stuff. Oh, who cares? I Shut love up, the Cree Kree standing on your like Star Trek ship, spattering nonsense about stuff. I want if I want nonsense. I want Groot and Tweeg and Gleef yeah. running around fighting. You chainsaw don't even people know their names. <laughs> My new favorite characters. Oh boy, that's what I want. Come on. The Joker, The Man Who Stopped Laughing, number eight from DC Comics, written by Matthew Rosenberg, art by Carmine Di Gian Domenico and Francesco Francovia. In this issue, while one Joker is in Gotham City, mixing it up with Killer Croc and Solomon Grundy, the other one is fighting Manhunter in L.A., and we get both of these trains running. What do you guys think about this issue? This is just, I'm having such a blast with this. This is just so much fun. It's uh, Joker is funny. You know, uh, I love his shots that he's taking at uh, Manhunter and then L.A. It's just uh, it's a blast. I'm having such a fun time. This is such a creative, cool comic 
art is uh, crazy type bananas. It's it's really kind of turned up to eleven. I, I'm not sure how this is gonna with all these different jokers and how this is all gonna kind of get resolved. But I'm having a great time with this book. Uh, there's the central mystery of these two jokers. It's really, I really, I want, I want to. You want answers. You want. Answers. I feel like, but yes, I want answers. But I feel I don't even know if we're getting clues. I feel like it's just like keep riding and you'll find out. But I thought it was going to be more of a mystery. Now it just feels like there's just straight up two jokers, and I don't know if it's just like two different uh, times. I thought maybe one of them was going to be Bruce Wayne or something. There, there's going to be some another shoe to drop, but it feels like. Based on this issue that we have um, two Jokers running around. I did like the Manhunter stuff um, in the L.A. fight. I still really like yeah. this book. I think it's a great team, and the art is gorgeous. Love seeing Francesco Francavia on the backup stories that are so wild and weird and fun. Weird, we talked yeah. about this before, but they definitely are responding to, what are your theories about these two Jokers? Here's something it's definitely not. And then they kind of go from there. But this was the first issue that I, I wanted to get to it. A little bit. Yeah. Maybe that's what you're feeling, Justin, where we're sitting in this L.A. situation. It's so fun. It's, I'm having a very fun time. We've just been sitting in this L.A. riot situation for a little bit now, and I want to move beyond that. I'm with you. Sorry. Sorry, Pete. Love Everlasting, yeah, number seven. Fun anymore. From Image Comics, written by God Tom King, art by Elsa Charidier. In this <laughs> issue, our main character... Previously had finally agreed to marriage, but she's still stuck in her simulation or whatever's going on with her, and things yeah. are only getting worse and more broken from there. What do you guys think about this one? I like this book. I, I, I'm i curious, and I don't actually even know how many more issues we have. It feels like this is another one like Poison Ivy where it could be like, this is the last issue. Uh, because it is like we're getting a lot of um, ripples in the pond reflecting back here in this issue. But I just love the the Elsa um, uh, Charatier art is so good and really um, like works so well as a comment on romance comics. And Tom King, I feel like he's got a big plan that he's going to eventually reveal to us. Okay. <laughs> cool. Pete? Thanks, Pete. I'm sorry. I was so angry and still talking about the last comic that I was kind of talking over when you pitched which comic we were talking about next. And I couldn't tell if we were <laughs> oh, saying love I everlasting. Hate, love seven. everlasting. Yeah. Okay. Comics, I wasn't sure everlasting. It was, I hate this place or love everlasting. Uh, great. So yeah, I mean, this kind of art style is really great. It's got kind of like a old uh, kind of timey feel to it. But the colors are bright and uh, kind of has uh, creativity in the paneling and, and the color usage. So I think they did a great job designing this comic and and kind of really heightening things in the right way. Uh, I love the layers to this comic. Um, and I also love the part where she freaks out and was like, sit down and eat your fucking meat, love. So I'm excited to see how this all unfolds or what's happening, but I'm not sure. You love be your- love. Perfect relationship, right, Pete? Somebody who tells you to sit down and eat your fucking meatloaf? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's true love. Star Wars Lando, number one from Marvel, written by Stephanie Phillips, art by Alvaro Lopez. This is continuing the Return of the Jedi one-shot anniversary titles that Marvel is running out here. Of course, it focuses on an adventure of Lando and Chewie, specifically before they head to rescue Han from Jabba's palace, 
What did you guys think about this issue? Uh, I feel like we've got some in the fun sabak here. We got some uh, right little casino royale refs yeah. underneath. Nice, uh, bright, clean art style following yeah. Lando, which I thought was an interesting choice. It felt like when I first uh, had a look at the book that it was going to be sort of a darker, more noir-y uh, Lando's up to some crimes. But I actually liked the way it played out. And um, Lando and Chewie, uh, uh, yeah. what a life they've had together maybe. I I, uh, I love it. I I also agree with Justin. I feel like the lighter art tone uh, brings a nice kind of feel to the comic, so it doesn't feel so dark. It kind of the fun of them kind of like just gambling and having a great time. I I think the the blue alien and Lando make a a nice little team there. I was excited about that. I also thought you know Chewie just one of the great characters of all time here you know putting his own neck on the line uh so we can kind of get this plan moving just what a character who just gives and gives to other characters you know as and, they just take and take from them you and know, Pete, not- just give give us a little backstory chewie's like a big ewok he's like a sort of a tall Go wicked fuck yourself dude <laughs> Go fuck yourself by saying like the that. the biggest that, you are. Oh, that is, you know what? You're garbage, dude. You're fucking garbage for saying that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's fucking ridiculous. I think you know I know that he's not. just having a little bit of fun. Hmm. Yeah, all the fun so we're having. Like he's like two, he's like two or three Stop. Ewoks standing on each other's shoulders. So they can sneak yeah, into an R-rated movie. Yeah, right? the fur is yeah, a giant R-rated trench coat. Sabaka. Yeah. Giant fur coat. I'm really enjoying these one shots. I they are very fun Star Wars books, so I'm excited to read whatever the next one is, which I think is about the Empire. Batman number 135 from DC Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Mike Hawthorne, Jorge Jimenez, and Mikel Janine. In this issue, Batman is in a alternate universe where Bruce Wayne has died. He has discovered the man who should be the Joker in that universe has discovered the Joker of our universe and desperately wants to break his brain the way the Joker does. That leads to a wild set of circumstances over the course of this issue. We're definitely going to talk about spoils here. So if you don't want to know, please turn away. But basically our Batman chases this proto-Joker throughout the multiverse and encounters essentially any Batman that you could possibly imagine from comics, movies, and TV, kicking it off with Michael Keaton's Batman as the first one in a moment that made me gasp and laugh out loud. Uh, I am very curious to hear from you guys, though, because it sounds like there is very much a split opinion on this book. Really? Oh. Um, I loved it. Dude, on the, the Michael Keaton Batman tip, it's so funny that the iconic thing of that Batman is how stiff his upper body and neck are. <laughs> you really see it. It's because the, the headpiece in the Batman yeah. movie was like hard plastic, so he couldn't – he literally couldn't turn his head. And that's what you see in this um, in this drawing on the page. But th- this book made me feel like the initial pitch was I want to get to – uh, the Batman uh, 66 utility belt shark repellent bit and moved backwards from that to get to this multiverse story because it, it just felt so hard. Like this is what uh, Chip Zdarsky wanted to do the whole time and gets there. And if you haven't, if you don't know the shark repellent reference, I, I want to shout it out because it is one of the most iconic 
Batman yeah. episodes from the original series, Batman and the, the Joker in a surf contest, right? Mm-hmm. And the sur- the uh, Joker and has, uh, uh, has yes, um, has absorbed the um, all the surf knowledge of like this epic surfer on the beach. Um, and Commissioner Gordon and the other cop are undercover as Spike and Buzzy to like hip surfers. It's so weird. My brother and I called each other Spike and Buzzy for years oh, after we that's saw this. Adorable. Truth. And so the Joker crushes Batman in the surf contest because he's absorbed all these skills. But in the middle of it, Batman pulls out shark repellent repels a shark with the spray, gets to the beach, and the judge is like, wow, the Joker crushed it, really scored well. But safety is the most important thing. So Batman wins because he repelled the sharks over the beach and wins the surf contest in the lamest Batman victory, perhaps of all time. So the fact that Chip is just bringing that into <laughs> comic continuity in a fun, insane way is wild to me. Yeah, I mean... Uh- Agreed. I don't have this kind of uh, amazing kind of connection to the old school Batman. But to me, this is kind of like uh, it seems really well timed because of the Flash movie that's coming out where we kind of get this Batman again. Mm. So seeing it here was a little bit like, okay, all right. But I well, before you go on, tell your story about really connecting with the George Clooney nipple Batman. Yeah, I don't have one. Uh, But I just think. That um, this well, you're always saying put it on my card, though, right, Pete? No, no, I'm not. I'm not always saying that. Uh, <laughs> iconic line. Yeah. I can't believe that didn't make the cut here. Yeah, yeah you're also always saying it's got to be the car. Chicks dig the car, right? Nope. You also know. drew nipples on all of your shirts, though. <laughs> it's not. It's not true. Your, ma- your male nipples. Uh, yeah, well, whatever it is, it's ice to meet you. Go ahead, Pete. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, I just think that this is kind of in service of that a little bit. It seems like we're just kind of like doing a kind of homage of, hey, remember all the Batmans of the past, which is nice nostalgia road to go down. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm having a hard time with this helmet Batman with the chin strap right now. And this kind of like choice that they made about this character keeps him a little bit of an arm's distance for me well, from the normal Batman and that I'm used to. Two so, quick things about this that. is fun. Uh, it's a it's it's not I'm not blown away by it. Go ahead. Two th- quick things about that. One, I believe it's Batman 900 as the legacy numbering. So that's the whole point for going through the whole history of Batman. Um, And then the other thing is he ditches that costume halfway through the book. So he's back to a regular Batman costume. Thank thank goodness. Because that was like a chin strap keeps your hat on. Cool. Um, Yeah. I mean, it is, it's an issue 900. So it's a nice kind of way to play homage to that. And I think it's, it's very uh, cool to kind of run through time with that. Uh, so to speak. So, uh, yeah, this is launching, I guess, the dawn of DC. So it'll be interesting to see what that is. And uh, that's been going on for months. That was post uh, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths. Well, yeah, but I do think it would like, isn't there a more prominent like moment that we're getting to here rather than it feels like the dawn of DC is like just something they're throwing around, but there's more to it, though. No, no, it's just rebooted series with more iconic takes on the characters and new takes on the characters. The Green Arrow book that we talked about last week is Dawn of DC. The Shazam book that we talked about this week is Dawn of DC. I remember that too. 
It's just a way of doing new number ones that bring the characters kind of Yeah, back. but it seems it like has they're to amount working to toward, yeah, no. yeah, like, you know. Um, it's not, you're no. saying it amounts to nothing, Alex? It's not a crossover event. It's a it live yeah, branding saying, like uh, New 52. Yeah, but I still think the New 52 amounted to something. Not really. It was just a branding. It was a new way of rebooting, being like, hey, this is a great new entry point. We're having a clear take on this character instead of our well, usual terrible murky takes on these characters. Wow. Well, wow, so it's the dawn fire, of dude. take it yeah, easy. That's, yeah, take it yeah. easy. Take it easy. Well, uh, to be clear, I hate comics. I just want to get that out. <laughs> uh, I hope stop, you guys know though. that. That's awful. I like this book quite a bit. This was absolutely wild and not at all what I expected. All of the stuff that you guys have been talking about in many more moments. Straight Bullet on our Patreon Slack called out that apparently there's an absolutely insane moment for fans of the Arkham Asylum series. Yes. As well, which frankly I did not pick up on, but there's a bunch of stuff like that that I thought was very fun. And shout out to the artists on this book that embrace oh a God, ludicrous yes. amount of styles and Luda. run through it. My favorite moment was when they go to the Batman Beyond universe with a classic animation yes, style. That was great. So much fun. So good. And what a great Bruce Wayne. Just a very capable Bruce Wayne we saw in that section. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Scarlet Witch, number five from Marvel, written by Steve Orlando, art by Russell Dodderman. In this issue, Scarlet Witch is going up against the Amazon, who is trying to kill or attack or take back from Darcy. Bakai. Bakai. Bakai! Who yeah. is trying to take back Darcy, who has taken residence in Scarlet Witch's shop. They go to battle this issue, and there are some big changes by the end. What'd you guess that? It's a yeah. knockdown, drag-out Scarlet Witch fight. Pete, you had to love this. I feel like this was just a great showcase of Russell Dodderman on art. Just really great stuff uh, across the board. I was a little bit hesitant with this this story, the this last issue and this one, but I thought this issue actually was great, and I enjoyed it. I think uh, Orlando working some magic here is just uh, – he's doing uh, just absolutely f- – Fun, fantastic work. This is just kind of great ideas, over-the-top kind of coolness here. I'm having a blast with this. Uh, you know, we have Darcy just killing it as Darcy, who's like, yeah, I've been skimming off the top, which is hysterical. Uh, and then, you know, just kind of this whole witch action thing that's also going on uh, with kind of a fun villain revere uh, reveal at the end there. So horrifying. I'm, I'm having a blast. I'm blast with this. I think this is a great idea. I'm blasted with the, (laughs) I'm I'm wasted right now. Uh, I think it's just one of those things where this kind of like cool, kind of like PI kind of walk in the door, kind of the, you know, solving crimes and problems is a fun setup for Scarlet Witch. I'm very excited for the annual that's coming up as well as the next yeah. issue. I think they're going to be great. Batman and the Joker, the Deadly Duo, number seven from DC Comics by Mark Silvestri. This is the final issue of this book as Joker reveals his true colors. And I'll tell you what, it didn't work well with Batman. They end up fighting. I, you know, I thought that they were sort of sold to me as a duo. A yeah. deadly I'll, duo. Albeit a yeah. deadly duo. Yeah. And in this issue, they're, they're two Unos. You know, they're not a duo. One's a reverse, yeah. Uno. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got a Uno and we got a Reverse Uno. Yeah, a Wild Draw Four in Commissioner Gordon. What would you say the deadliest Uno is? I would say it's when you get like the Draw Four any color, right? Oh, oh yeah, wow. because you could drop that anytime. You've already oh, won. Yeah. That's like yeah. that's like the end of Watchmen. I beat you thirty five <laughs> minutes ago. Is how I feel when that happens. I threw that shit before I ran into the room. All right. I think that this is just Mark Silvestri fun. This is just great, unbelievable art style. Just this cool, intense back and forth between Batman and the Joker. Loved all the bonus stuff, too, all the back matter. I had a blast with this. An absolute blast. An absolute blast. Pete is truly blasted. The thing with this is, uh, it was it's fun. The art's interesting. It's a real throwback feel yeah. to it. Reminds me a bit 90s, of like hush, sharp yeah. action. Come on, man! But I think it sort of like hit marks that we might have been able to predict going into it. Oh, like, go fuck yourself. They stop uh, working together. It doesn't quite work out. The the most interesting part was the villain emerging at the end. Someone that could maybe be carried through to another situation. Yeah, I agree. I got more and more into this book over the course of the issues, and here I don't. It didn't fall apart for me, but it definitely felt like yeah, that's that's how the story ends, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so I was a little bummed about that, but still worth checking out. It's always like Pete was saying, good to see a good Mark Silvestri book. So yeah, it's going to make a good trade. Spider Man number eight from Marvel, written by Dan Slott, art by Mark Bagley. This is following up on the end of Spider Verse story. Spider Man is trying to figure out how to be a Spider Man again. This new rebooted reality where there is a Spider Boy, his sidekick mm. who has always existed. Um, what do you guys think about this? I think it was interesting to check out this book beyond what its initial pitch was, I guess, the way that I put it. So I'm curious to hear what you guys thought. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the bag for Bagley uh, ah. when it comes to, um, like, Spider-Man and Dan Slott. Uh, similarly, like, there's a nostalgia. You're in the slot uh, slot? Yeah, I'm in the oh, slot slot on, and in the a, bag bag. The Jesus. Bagley bag. The slot slot, the Bagley bag. The, this has sort of a, the, a nostalgic beating heart um, at its core that takes it back takes me back to when I was first reading Spider-Man comics in the 90s while we're talking about it. Um, the the Spider-Boy stuff, I it feels like one of those mysteries that is going to go on a little too long, like a lot of <laughs> Spider-Man mysteries. Yeah. Um, so, like, I guess we'll see where we get with that. But the other action going on, I really felt for Spider-Man coming back to his apartment, being upset, like just Mary Jane being there and being like, Tiger, what's the matter? would have taken me fully back to the first comics I ever read. Yeah, I mean, this is slot-tastic. I mean, we have kind of like this uh, idea, this good, the heart behind this good idea of like, oh, man, if you could sense more, you know what I mean? If you could sense danger for other people as well, like wouldn't that be a cool thing to kind of be able to turn up and then kind of like how that's gone bad? We We kind of had it. With the fire where he was trying to save everybody, turns out he couldn't. So, you know, him dealing with that felt very Spider-Man. I feel like Slot did a great job of capturing that. I thought the art was cool. I, I kind of like saw what was coming a little bit, but very much enjoyed it. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought this is a really solid Spider-Man book. I think I agree with both of you guys. No. I, 
was hoping that this issue would be, here's a Spider-Boy explanation. Here's a flashback oh. showing how he, no pun intended, lost the continuity. Um, that's what I kind of wanted out of that. So I guess we'll see what happens. But as a Spider-Man book, I like Dan Slott. Like Mark, like Mark Bagley, so happy about this. Adventures of Superman, John Kent, number one from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by Clayton Henry. In this issue, John Kent is, I believe, on the Injustice Earth and exploring things that have gone down there. Of course, he's told one thing by the Superman of this Earth, and it turns out it's very much another oh, thing. Oh, boy. Yeah. A lot of tension in this book, I would say. A lot of yeah. tension. We got what we got. Here's trouble. We got trouble brewing here on this uh, in this multiverse, and you can tell because when Batman's not getting along with Damien, that's not gonna be good. And I <laughs> yeah. think we have Plus. our John Kent choosing um, the uh, side that you might not expect, and uh, we're gonna get some fireworks next issue. Tom Taylor continuing to bring us uh, great storytelling, even though this is sort of approaching like event status in a way that I feel like his other books have been able to really stand on their own, but I'm still on board with that. Yeah. Uh, you know, not to spoil it here, but, uh, the mm-hmm. kind of reveal that maybe, uh, this uh, Superman is, uh, really obsessed with things being quiet and, uh, people might be scared of him was such a crazy, cool reveal where it was like just this small moment in somebody's like eyes that, uh, you know, John picked up on. So I thought that was a great, great yeah. comic moment. And I'm excited to find out what that's all means. Uh, so He's like, I, you after 10 p.m., Pete, it better be quiet. I I do wonder, this is labeled as road to injustice. As far as I yeah. understand it, we're already on the injustice earth. And John feels very much on the way to being like, this is pretty bad here. So. I'm very nervous about what it means when they get to whatever injustice is. Well, that's the thing about road there. trips. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. you start off one place and then, you know, madness ensues. You know well, what I mean? we're already mm-hmm. there. We're already on the injustice yeah. earth. So what does that mean? What is going to happen? It's like if you did a big road trip with all your friends and you're just your destination, your crazy destination was the end of the driveway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like yeah, the mailbox. Yeah. It was like, like whoa, we're whoa. here. We're here, and it's it's fucked up. Blood Tree, number four, from Image Comics, written by Peter J. Tomasi, art by Maxim Simis. This is taking our hero, cop, who has been investigating (laughs) a bunch of angel murders, and it turns out he is very connected to them in a way. Oh, what a reveal. Big reveal. And big reveal that made me felt like I missed a page of the last issue, potentially. But... Really? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Did they reveal that he was connected to this in the last issue, and I just completely forgot about it? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think, think so. so. No, I think it was revealed in this issue. Yeah, this okay. was all here. Yeah. I believe the end of the last issue. I would have to go back and check. Was just finding this uh, the crime Nemo. scene, essentially finding uh, the yeah. The he found the file. Like he was given yeah. a file, but it picks up here where he finds out that he's very much connected to these murders. And in fact, yeah, he reads the, the victim, file on this one. Um, Ten stuff, another tense issue. Yeah, I, I like this series. Like, it's really like very meticulously turning up the tension in a way that I think is hard to sort of control the pace in a lot of other comics. So I appreciate that and being able to bring in the threads, the very disparate threads of our main characters, cop life, the mystery, and his family life all together in a way that like I didn't really see that coming, and it was uh, sad and messed up. 
So that's always fun. I'm going to have to go ahead and disagree with you here, Justin. I feel this was like a classic kind of like cop story where we're like, why are we following this person? And then it's like the reveal that the cop is somehow connected to the case that he is pursuing. Oh, man. And then he's got to go visit the person in jail who knows stuff. And if he doesn't you know, talk with the person in jail, he won't get the extra information to help solve this case and blow it out of the water. So I felt like it was like kind of following something that we've seen a million times. But done in a way that was cool and uh, um, uh, stylish as far as the art is concerned. But, uh, yeah, I mean, even though this has been done before, I still felt like uh, it was cool and unique. So I'm, I'm on board. I look forward to visiting you and Joe Pete when I'm solving the murder that you commit. Okay, well, great. You know what? Maybe I'll give you key information. Maybe I won't. It depends how much window love you give me. Window love. Sorry, what, what do you mean, mean by window? Just real yeah. quick, what do you mean by window love? In a, you mean in a, the when you talk on the phone? Like, what's the love part? No more time for window love. Go. What? <laughs> that's what uh, the that's what I'll the give you uh, another prison guard. Abba, Abba Zaba, you're my only friend. What are you talking about? Hairball number two from Dark Horse Comics, written by Mac Kid, art by Tyler Jenkins. In this issue, our evil cat continues to terrorize a family, and particularly a young girl in particular, leading to her becoming completely unhinged from reality. Uh, yeah, this this went very bad in the first issue, and it goes even worse in the second one. Pete! You love cats. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly what it's like to own a cat. Mm -hmm. You think you love it, but then you start to question what the cat's really doing. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. while you're sleeping and stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Really starts to. And then all the bodies start to pile up and you're like, wait, this can't be connected to my cat. But then, oh, it is your cat. You know what I mean? So then you got to start burying these bodies. It's a complicated thing, uh, owning a cat, you know? Um, but That's I, a I big d- clue in the murder I've been trying to solve. Thank you. <laughs> oh, man, you'll never prove it's me. It's Mr. Whiskers the whole time. Anyways, I feel like this is, uh, first off, artistically impressive what it's doing. Uh, you know, we're kind of giving things through the cat's eyes. And, man, that one panel where the eye uh, goes sideways freaks me the fuck out. Um, but, yeah, artistically really well done. I like the less dialogue as uh, artistic choice in comics. So uh, this is kind of in my wheelhouse. So I'm enjoying it, even though it's twisted and hacked up. Uh, Justin, I know you're going to jump in, but I wanted to ask Pete first. Is there a Mrs. Whiskers? <laughs> what? <laughs> There will be the uh, I like this as well. It is creepy in a way that um, I didn't anticipate the fact that we've already gotten to the point where uh, Bestie is the problem for our uh, daughter character. I, we're mm-hmm. moving quickly through the story in a way that I think is propulsive, yet still slowly building tension. I hate this place, number eight, from Image Comics, written no, by Kyle But Starks. I know, Alex, but tell us about the next comic. Oh, okay. Hey, I hate this place. Hey, I on. hate this place. Fuck this place, number eight, from Image Comics, written by Kyle Starks, art by Art Yam Topolin. In this issue, we're picking up where one of our two main characters has accidentally traveled to the far future and found out that their crazy house is going to end up destroying the world, or at least wrecking most of it, through some circumstances where we're not quite there yet. 
there's a lot of wild things that are spiraling right out of control with this issue. This is going very big with the concept in a way that I did not expect. Let me say right now we're halfway through the Stark stack, uh, which is all the Kyle Stark books. Oh man, we got a lot of Kyle Stark books, bro. Uh, uh, But this is maybe my favorite of the Stark stack. Like this one, I like the wild swings this book takes while still keeping the emotional core of our two main characters. Uh, We get a lot of the recurring characters coming back, both villains and friends here, and setting like really touching all genres all the time. That feels like almost the um, impossible. It seems impossible. Well, impossible, maybe, but it, it's working for me, and that's just sort of the the Ted Lasso style believe sign for this comic is we're going to do everything um, all the time. Wow, you really tied it in there with the Ted Lasso thing. I am super impressed. All right, uh, this art is creepy as fuck, and uh, it's glorious. Uh, this villain with like the kind of antler skull thing really freaks me the fuck out. Um, super intense. We get a lot of info in this, but I, I like where the story is going, even though I'm scared shitless of it. Um, man, wow. just what a creation this is. And uh, uh, every time I pick up one of these comics, I'm scared but excited. And uh, it's quite a feeling. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Lost Summer, number one from Boob Studios, written by Casey Gilley, art by Lauren Knight and Leah Caballero. This is following up on one of the more fun bits from Buffy and Angel, where it turns out that Spike, who originally was called William the Bloody, was not actually a conqueror or a Dracula's type character. He was, I'm going to get this slightly wrong, but William the Bloody Awful. He was a terrible Mm. poet. And in here, it turns out that some of his poetry is up for a, uh, what's it called? Roadshow? Antique Roadshow. Antiques Roadshow style auction. So the gang all travels cross country to try to stop that from happening. Very fun romp, I think, throughout this issue. Yeah, this was fun. I'm not a huge Buffy guy, so I didn't know that backstory, but it's laid out really well here, and having Spike be secretly uh, ashamed of his his poetry I thought was really fun, and the, the group, the gang, just exploring this antique roadshow and the adjacent uh, stuff going on was fun. And then there's a lot going on with, with Buffy and her sister in this that I feel like I don't know what it all amounted to at the end of it, but um, in general, I like the, the overall story. Yeah, the poetry bit at the end was really fun and, and kind of hilarious. The I also really love the road trip splash page we got in this. So the art was uh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, some of the other stuff kind of got a little slow. I'm not the biggest Buffy fan, but overall enjoyed it and thought uh, the poetry bit was pretty creative and hilarious. Almighty number four from Image Comics by Edward LaRoche. This is following a badass assassin i don't know fighter whatever she is who has taken a girl and taken her cross country to get her away from this evil gang the evil gang catches up to them in this issue what did you guys think about this one i really like this book i think this has the uh the sort of a little bit of walking dead dna to it it feels like comic booky while at the same time having this larger um sci-fi 
premise uh, over top of it. We're getting a little bit more reveal here, post-apocalyptic uh, talking points, story points. And I've just been really on board. I'm, I'm curious how the mystery is going to continue to play out. It feels like we're touching, we're getting points and just when I want them. So I hope that continues. This is creepy, intense as shit here. And this is just some fast-paced fucking madness. Uh, that whole, like, do you want to play kind of like zombie who's looking to barf over people was just too much for me. This was just a little... Uh, How do you bar- play? Barf barf action zombie was too much for me. I, I wanted to tap out there. But, uh, yeah, it's super creative, really intense and artistically impressive. Where Monsters Lie, number four from Dark Horse Comics, written once again by Kyle Starks, art by Piotr Kowalski. This is the, I believe, final issue of this book that follows a small cul-de-sac where a bunch of movie-style serial killers live. We have our main character, who is a cop, who is trying to take them down. There's also a kid who has been caught in the middle. You know, you mentioned earlier that the Peacemaker book is very funny. This is the one that is the funniest Kyle Starks book to be. It's so mm. darkly comic yeah. and making fun of serial killer tropes. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, the whole bit with the puzzle versus the, you know, like that was a really fun bit. But that poor kid can't catch a break. I mean, he literally says that at one point and it just keeps happening and you can't help but feel that it's taking all these very interesting twists and turns and some things happen real fast. Some things happen real slow. It's a very creatively cool, intense book that I really every time I open it up, I'm like, oh, God, hopefully they're going to make it out of this thing. But it keeps getting deeper and deeper. You kind of have a real rock and hard place moment for the main cop character where he's got to decide if he's going to kind of go with the bad guys here. And uh, I don't know. I mean, that it's a crazy uh, situation. What would you guys do? I think I would fake it. To kind of go along and then try oh, to take them all down from I thought you were talking about the situation of would you rather lose a hand or your penis? Yeah, no, mm-hmm. no, not that. That was also real tough. I, I, I think we're answering too. that at the we're answering that at the end of the podcast. Oh, end least. of the podcast. Okay, yeah, don't spoil our big exit question. Okay, uh, but I, I mean, a question for this is uh, Pete: Are you working on your audition to play um, Fuckmaster in the movie? <laughs> A character in this. To and I know be you have a, or not to be. Oh, strong, strong oh, monologue choice yeah, for the character of Fuckmaster. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I also like this book. This book feels like Taylor made for Pete, but I feel like I could watch much more. I could read much more of these serial killers just like murdering each other while also having some roommate squabbles. Uh, I could use a little bit more of the day to day. Plus, you love the chainsaw action. You're all about the chainsaw lifestyle. So I only like it when it's cutting down um, uh, fleegs and stuff. Oh, okay. All right. Leafs. Fleegs and tweegs. Fleegs and tweegs and gleaves. Let's wrap it up, and we're going to spend some time on this. Wait, are you going to answer your own question, though? What? You got to go hander. If it's hander, dick, no, you're no, going No, no, end of the podcast. We're doing that at and the end of the, the podcast, closing. man. We agreed weeks ago to end the podcast. With <laughs> yeah, and we actually are hooked up to a mechanism that's going to take one or the other. Yeah, We've talked so, about it, this so be really thoughtful about your answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
The World of Tomorrow from Uncharted Wilderness Studio, written by Giles Clark, art by Keenan Halovich. Sorry if I mispronounced those names. Giles was on the show a couple of months back at this point. This is a new book from him. So the first issue of this book introduces a guy who's essentially like a William Shatner-esque captain of a starship type guy. He, The first issue, which again is already out, or not again, is already out, uh, details how he gets fired from the job, he gets let go, it's sad. And the second issue, spoilers here, takes things in a wild, very different direction. Um, And that's coming out, I believe, next month, if I remember correctly. What did you guys think about this book? Oh, I loved it. I love the the whole kind of way it starts, and he's talking to dogs. It's so much fun. And this kind of like seeing him seeing things through his eyes and then the actual reality. And it's really fun. This whole kind of reoccurring, reoccurring bit about like, this is my stop. I loved, it was just such a cool take on kind of a mundane thing of somebody being a bus driver. But I, I really thought it was very cool. (laughs) Very unique. Okay. Yeah. You know, the life of a bus driver is just, uh, you know, we never could perceive it. And I yeah, like that. If you have any interest in this book, don't listen to the previous minute. Justin, what did you think <laughs> about this one? Uh, it, it reminds me a bit of like a galaxy quest, except mm-hmm. it's fucked right. up, except yeah. it's not, they're not coming together to save the day. Uh, so that's fun. And, and I think the transition from the, the glossier front, the first issue where like it's the, all the fun and then uh, the bad stuff starts to happen. I was surprised how that is really was what is paid off in the second issue of like it gets much, much worse. So I'm curious where it goes from here. Is there going to be more of a tonal switch or what? Yeah, that was my big question about it. And I know we're not spoiling anything about the second issue, but the second issue to me felt like, oh, okay, this is the concept of this book. But given that the first issue wasn't that, I'm not 100% sure if that's going to be the third issue or not. But as is, I think there's some really interesting just dramatic Hollywood stuff that happens in the first issue in terms of vintage what happens when a sci-fi show falls apart. The second issue takes it in wilder directions, certainly with the psychology of the main character. I'm definitely – it takes enough big swings in the first two issues that I'm very curious to check out issue three. Cool. Do we do yeah, a good same. job? Do we talk about it? Do we spend it? enough time? Should yeah, we I think fight we spent, more? I think we did it. I think we did a good okay. job. If you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, app of your choice. To subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on TikTok or Instagram, ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, penis. Dick her hand. <laughs> Dick her hand, bro. Dick her hand, Justin. I already I, said. I already I, said. I guess I would say Pete's hand. <laughs> no, that's not an option. Okay, Pete's dick. Ah, no.